thank you for tuning into the media ministry of Weston Road Pentecostal Church. We pray that you will be blessed and inspired as you hear the preaching of God's Word. Also, be sure to check us out on the web at www.westonroadchurch.com for all the latest news and info. What we're going to hear, I was so excited I, I had to post a picture of my Bible and my computer last night. That's how excited I was to share the word. Every time we get to open this book, it's a privilege. I don't know if you consider that a privilege. Maybe this sits at home and it collects dust. In some countries, they don't have a Bible like this, bound bunch of pages that they can call the Word of God and hold it up. They can't open it up in public, even if they have one in some countries, and read and proclaim what it says. Canada, we are blessed. We get to show up to church with minimal obstacles, usually, and we're able to sit. Your children are being watched, if your parents, like mine, and we get to actually sit and listen to the Word. My heart and my prayer is that you would be ready to receive the word. It's not because I spent time preparing. It's because, think of a cook. I love this example. A cook prepares and people need to show up hungry to the house. I've made the mistake of eating a pre-meal meal and uh, not realizing, like they said, come, this was when I was a youth pastor, like ten, over 10 years ago. They said, yeah, come over. It was like 7.30 p.m. So I'm like, yeah, dad, I'll eat dinner at home with you and then I'll just go do this visit. I got there, I kid you not, the husband worked in a hall as a chef, and there, there was so much food that I felt bad saying no to most of it, except for the dessert. But the reality is when we come to hear and receive from the Word of God, we need to make sure that we have space, we have room to receive today. So I'm just taking a little extra time because I value this book. I value the words of life. And it has the power to change me. To transform me from the inside out. The Bible also says faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And so today, as you hear the word, you read the word. Faith should rise up in your heart. To believe God for the impossible. And that's my prayer today. A few weeks ago, we talked about the day before the overflow. How many of you remember that sermon? 1 Kings 17, the widow of Zarephath, and how she was, uh, the day before the overflow came, she was going to bake a cake and die with her son. And we know that that didn't happen. But she was busy collecting sticks when the man of God showed up. We're going to get to that later in today's message. God honors movement. We talked about the night before the overflow in Luke chapter 5, dealing with uh, Peter, James, John, and they're fishing. They caught nothing all night. Jesus shows up, uses the boat to preach, and then he's, he's the expert preacher, Jesus, not the expert fisherman. But he tells them, hey, get back in, that, in the boat and drop your nets. And Simon's thinking, well... We fished all night and caught no fish. That's the expert in me telling me that's when we were supposed to catch the fish. And we got nothing. Nevertheless, I'm going to do it. He does it. And what happens? 
he, there's not enough room to contain, and two boats almost end up sinking before they can even make it back to shore. And what I believe Jesus did after that is when he called them to be, he said, now come, I'll teach you to be fishers of men. He was drawing a direct correlation to the size of the catch of fish to now the size of the catch of souls for the kingdom. And so that was the night before overflow. Because the, the result is great, but the circumstances were not favorable. Today, with God's help, I want to talk to you about the moment before overflow. The moment before overflow. And so my question is today for you, are you ready for the overflow? Are you ready for things to begin to overflow in your life? Are you ready Are you ready? Why don't you turn to your neighbor real quick and say, are you ready for the overflow? There we go. It's good to talk in church. Can you say amen? So if you have your Bibles, would you open to John chapter 6 and stand to your feet if you are able to, as we honor God's word this morning. John chapter 6, and we'll begin reading at verse 1. And here's what it says in the New Living Translation. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. And turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he, had, for he already knew what he was going to do. That's something you might want to underline, verse 6. Verse 7, Philip replied, Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled twelve baskets with scraps left by the people, who had eaten from the five barley loaves. And when the people saw him do this, Uh, Excuse me. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. And when Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I believe we're in a season where overflow is about to break out in our church And Father, I pray that as we read this text and as we sit in it this morning, Father, that you would speak a word in season, not just for our church, but Lord, for every heart. Lord, for every heart that is longing for more. And God, you have so much more to give us. So Lord, we make room now for your word in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 
You may be seated. <clears throat> the moment before overflow. See, we get really excited when we talk. Are you ready for overflow? Yeah. But the moment before overflow is actually not easy. It's actually not necessarily favorable either. And we're going to look at that through this story. And just to give you some context, this miracle that we read, the feeding of the 5,000 and, and then some, and the some is women and their children as well. We, they're not mentioned, but it said, and that's just the 5,000 men. So this miracle is the only one recorded in all four Gospels. You see, there's a term called the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And those are similar to one another. And even the, the flow and the stories that are told are similar. And they, they line up really well. John is still the Gospel of John, but it's, it's different. It doesn't, it's not a synoptic one in that it's similar to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So it's synoptic may be an unfamiliar word, but it just means the first three are similar. The Gospel of John, some of them line up, but he has a different reason for writing his Gospel. He wants to show that Jesus is the Messiah and puts more emphasis on the works of Jesus and, and proving his Messiahship than actually telling the story 100% um, the way Matthew, Mark, and Luke did. And again, he didn't have a Bible to go, well, this is what Matthew and Mark and Luke wrote. I'm going to change it up a bit, and take a different approach as an author, as a writer, be a little more creative. That wasn't necessarily his endeavor, but he was writing with a specific purpose. However, all that being said, this is the only miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels, but there are different variations as you read through them all. Jesus crossed over to the east side of the Sea of Galilee, and John also notes that the Passover was near. The Passover was near. And in verse 5, if, if you would compare our text with the synoptic accounts, you'll see that they actually portray the disciples as taking initiative. But here John shifts the initiative to Jesus in terms of feeding the crowd now. Because in the other Gospels, they actually go to Jesus and say, Hey, you've been teaching all day. It's getting late now. We're in a remote place. There's no bakery nearby. To feed everyone, or no, no grocery store, uh, we got to do something. So in John, he chooses, and he, the way he's writing, we see Jesus initiates with this question that we're going to look at. And so the overarching lesson is this, though. Jesus alone can satisfy humankind's deepest needs, which are spiritual and not merely physical. So the needs, and, and if you've come today, I said, we compared it to a hospital, but this is a hospital for the sick, the hurting, the broken, and, and we receive hope, we receive healing here. I want you to know, this is a spiritual house. This is a spiritual house. Yes, we will, we, you know, if someone's hungry, we're going to go out of our way to f find food and water and make sure you're okay. But the primary concern of Jesus was first spiritual. Because what good is it if I give you food, but you're spiritually dead? What's, what's the point in actually living if you have no hope beyond that? And so, yes, Jesus took care of that need, as we read. But his first concern was 
to make sure, hey, you guys, you need something. And again, the point number one is an overflow of people. The moment before overflow. If you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do so, number one, we see an overflow of people. It's interesting, in verse 2, it says that they were following Jesus around. And it says that in verse 2, they did this because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. It's interesting, and it's also human nature, I think, that the miraculous will always draw people in. It does. However, here's the difference. It should never be tied to a person, a man. You don't say, oh, Jonathan did this and he's got the gift of... It's not wrong to say that, but... Let's not put emphasis on any individual. I love it in this passage that it says they were drawn to Jesus. They were drawn to Jesus. And so the miraculous will always draw people into Jesus. Not into Pastor Jonathan. Or not into uh, Prophet so-and-so. Who's, they're used in the gift of healing. But it's never my gift. It's always His ability in me. I'm just a willing vessel. Can you say Amen. So make sure, and and we've been praying for signs and wonders. We've been praying in our church for signs and wonders. Why? Well, because if there are any skeptics, or if there's any unbelief, in one instant, that's broken. Why? Because how how can you refute someone who says, I could not hear, but now my ear popped and now I can hear. You see? And so we've been praying for signs and wonders because the word says signs and wonders shall accompany them that believe. Any believers in the house? Right? And so when we preach, we say this is the living word. When we preach the word of God, we should see signs and wonders following us. Now, this is a side note. It's not in my notes. If someone at work says, hey, can you just pray for me? Uh, And you're like, okay, sure, but what's the request? Because I might not be able to do it if it's too serious. You know, like, I have cancer. The doctor gave me two years to live or or two months, if you want. And you're just like, you know what? Sunday, what's your schedule look like? Are you free at 1030? I'd love to introduce you to my pastor because he's really, like, he's a man of God. And and he'll pray for you and he'll even use the oil if if we let him know ahead of time. Right? We, we think like that, but if we just said we, we're believers, and a lot of you said amen, when your coworker shows up and, and reveals this, like, I have two weeks to live, and I want you to pray. You say you're a Christian, right? You believe in healing. Yes. Can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? You should say, sure. Let's, let's do it right now. Or do you want to wait like till lunch or something in case you're on a production line and food's passing or boxes are passing by? You want to wait for a better time. Don't run to the pastor. You have, in Jesus' name, all authority. All authority. But signs will attract attention. And, and if you begin to pray and you see people healed, make sure you redirect the attention to the source, Jesus. It's because of the finished work of the cross that we have the ability to see people healed in Jesus' name. So, there's an overflow of people, and their attraction is signs. For it says that Jesus healed many. 
What we don't read in John, but we read in the other accounts, is Mark chapter 6, verse 34 says this, Jesus had compassion on them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. So remember, they crossed over in a boat, they get out, people are following as they're going, and he sees these people, and they almost look like they don't even know why they're showing up, but they're, they're around him. And it says, if you want a, a perspective from heaven on this situation, Jesus looks at the people. Maybe they were just after signs. Maybe they didn't even want Jesus. These are the Galileans we're talking about. They were not Jewish. They were Galileans. And what happens is, he looks on them as being lost. Like they're searching. They're here. They, they maybe can't express what they actually want. But the heart of God is this. He looks, Jesus, and he says, he's filled with compassion. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And in the, in the other Gospels, it says that he began to teach them many things. So, life is busy. People might always be nagging for your attention, or just nagging. But stop, and just give them a moment of time. Because maybe what they're saying sounds like one thing, but... With the ear of the Holy Spirit, you're going to actually hear their heart. Maybe they're not expressing in, in straight up words what they're going through. But listen with your spiritual ear to what they're actually going through. Chances are, if you have that antenna up, you're going to actually be moved with compassion. Instead of just being, leave me alone. Oh my goodness, I can't believe they wasted 20 minutes of my lunch, which I only have 30 anyway, so i got 10 minutes left. I'm going to go read my Bible and be productive with my faith. Well, you just had an opportunity. You just had an opportunity. So if there's an overflow of people in your life, it doesn't mean that they're there to help you. Maybe they're, they're needy. Maybe they're showing up. My question is, let or my, my appeal is, let compassion fill your heart and, and spend some time. Maybe not your whole lunch. Maybe tell them, hey, you know, Thursday, let's, let's plan to sit together on lunch and talk about it. And it'll give you a schedule at least so that person gets an idea of, okay, I'll wait till Thursday and we're going to do this. The crowd responded to the evidence of the signs. What the evidence was people who were sick were actually healed now. And signs because they led people to seek after Jesus. So an overflow of people. Point number two, an overflow of problems. An overflow of problems. Let's look at it in the church concept. We're believing God for an overflow of souls, yes? And, and I've shared that. We're believing every seat all the way till the overflow room. Those are overflow rectangles right now. But they're going to be filled after the renovation project is done. I'm believing God for, I'm going to say a million dollars and more. Because why put a limit, right? So I, I even said 350 souls. But I'm not going to say the number because I, I don't want to stop at 350. We want more. Because there are millions of people in our city that need Jesus Christ. And so we want to just see this place full. And what, what, what happens when it's full? I don't know. That's when the overflow of problems start. Because now it's a good problem in that sense. We're going to figure this out. But in this story that we've been reading, John chapter 6, they literally encounter an overflow of problems. There's the issue of how are we going to feed them. And secondly, there's the lack of resources to, to do it. 
And what we see is, this is actually the moment before the overflow. If you were wondering, so at what point are we in the moment before the overflow? And in our story, this is it. This is it now. The people, are, they've shown up. But there are still some problems to deal with. And, and as I was preparing, I actually felt faith rise up in my heart, specifically in verses 5 and 6. And I just want to read those with you. And here's what it says. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Notice he didn't ask, How can we? He said, Where? It's, it's a different question, a very different question. How can we buy bread is talking about resource, right? We have over 5,000. And I've read that scholars say adding women and children, you can get about 10,000 uh, people right around there. The question how is logical because we're thinking resource, money, br- like But he asks where. That to me says location. Like if you say, where can I go buy bread after church? I will give you two or three good places you can can go and find them. So the question comes. And verse 6 says that he was testing Philip. For he already knew what he was going to do. And I don't know about you, but that excites me. Because the question, I don't know the answer to the question, where can we buy bread? But when I find out, as, I, as we read, that Jesus already had a plan, and Jesus already knew, I'm like, thank you, Lord. I, I can get excited about that question now. But see, we have the privilege of knowing that information. Philip was in the hot seat with Jesus and had to come up now with uh, some kind of an answer. So we already acknowledged that there were 5,000 men, not including women and children. And what I gleaned from this little example is that Jesus actually wants you to use your brain when you have an overflow of problems coming your way. He actually wants you to go through the scenario, not to obsess over it, but to literally go through it. And think of different outcomes. I really believe that that's a good exercise. Why would he have to ask Philip the question? He wanted Philip to see what was possible. Jesus wants you to think of creative solutions for what you are going through. Creative solutions. It doesn't mean you sit awake, lying awake at night, obsessing like I said. But it's just, okay... This is the reality of the situation. What are some possible solutions? That's the exercise. That's the question you should ask. But it doesn't mean Jesus will actually want you to go through with it. And I say amen to that phrase. You can come up with possible outcomes. And that's good. But it doesn't mean that Jesus is going to say, Okay, you came up with three and now I'll pick one of your three. For the, in verse 6, this is why I get excited, it says that he already knew what he was going to do. Regardless of what Philip was able to come up with and muster up as a response, Jesus already knew what he was going to do. And I find great comfort in it when I place my life in Jesus' hands. I'm struggling with things and I, I'm like, oh Lord, what's the solution? What's the right answer? He's already got a plan. 
But he wants us to be able to map it out for ourselves. And I'll give you the secret as to why. Jesus wants us to realize the limit to our ability. Jesus wants us to realize the limit of our ability. Why? Because he's about to do a lot more than we could ever think or imagine. Can you say amen? So Jesus... He asked, where can we buy bread? In verse 7, Philip's reply, it was almost like, Jesus, forget where. We don't even have enough money to feed them. I don't care about where you can buy bread. I don't have money to buy bread for this many people. I'm just thinking, how would they make bread for that many people on a day, like a couple of hours notice? I don't know. It's a mystery to me. But so soon enough, we have an overflow of problems. It's a lack of resource. People are getting hungry, maybe even tired. We're in a remote place. And everything starts to add up. The New Bible commentary expressed it like this, the view of Philip. Philip was intensely practical in his calculations. Why? Well, he basically says that it would take so much time, months of work, to be able to afford to buy bread for all of these people. So he's intensely Um, practical in his calculations. Then we get to Andrew in verse 8. And here I sensed a little bit of faith in Andrew, but check out what happens. Verse 8 says, Andrew spoke up. Verse 9, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. And it's like, he he gets it. He, He got it. The light went off. And then look at his next statement. But what good is that with this huge crowd? So it's like Jesus is probably going, uh uh, warm, warm, no, cold, cold, forget, oh, forget it. No, 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 Andrew, you're almost there, but now you totally lost it. Are you like that? Are you like that? See, here's the good thing figure out what you can, some possible scenarios, right? Andrew got a little further, I'd say, than Philip. Philip just said, whoa, we don't have any money. It's like, forget where, it's the how part I'm stuck on. Andrew, on the other hand, he's he's looking for a way. He's got, no, no, there's got to be something here, something we could do. Let's try to figure it out. Mark chapter 6, verse 38, we don't see this in John, but Jesus actually asked the disciples the question, how much bread do you have? Go and find out. We don't get that context in John, but now it makes sense. So here is Andrew looking out. He's, he's moving. And remember we said this, God honors movement. God honors movement. An overflow of people, an overflow of problems. And in the middle of that... You need to be moving. You need to be moving. Go and find out what you go see. Go see how much we have. Go. Go. God honors movement. Go and find out. The woman in First Kings 17, the widow of Zarephath, she was out collecting sticks. And she said, I'm gonna bake a cake with whatever I have left, and then basically we're going to die because there's nothing else we have to make cake and live off of. And it was while she was gathering her sticks that the man of God showed up 
and had a word for her that she was waiting for. Amen? And she had enough food till the drought finished, and then she lived. She didn't die. God honors movement. If your finances are running low, and you're looking for work, you're looking for a job, don't just do it from your phone or your computer. I literally encourage you, get outside of your house, even get a haircut, start knocking on some doors, networking, meeting people, not just random people, like if because <laughs> that can get really weird, but in your field of work, do what you have to do. Why? Because God honors movement. If all you're doing is saying, well, I'm just going to wait because the Lord is going to do the work and the Lord is going to open the door. Well, guess what? You're supposed to be knocking and the door will open. You're supposed to be asking and you will receive. So again, those are action words, right? Knock, ask, seek, and you will find. And so God honors movement. There's an overflow of people. The resources are depleted. They don't have anything, really. They just go, go find out what, what's there, what's available. Go and find out. And then Andrew has that, that message. And he's like, uh, good news, five loaves and two fish. Okay, but that's not enough. And that's the limitation. So remember I said that Jesus needs you to realize the limit to your ability? There's a limit. So, okay, we looked around. This is what we have now. This is how far I'm able to go. This is how much I'm able to give in your own context. Uh, This is how much time I'm able to sacrifice. This is how much resource I'm able to donate. You fill in the blank for, for your limitation. And then understand, Jesus needs you to realize where your limit stops. Mom, in the room, moms, you're not, I mean, yes, you're super mom, my wife, she's awesome. And I, I praise you because I'm not, I wouldn't be the man I am standing here before the church if not for you. So I honor you today, Priscilla. Thank you for the two amens, but I didn't do it for that. I just, I honor my wife publicly because in private, she's a warrior. She is. And then she leads up here publicly and still kills it. So love you. Um, where was I now? (laughs) Oh yeah, the limit to your ability. Moms, super, like, yes, a lot of times you wear the red cape. You're superman, superwoman, supermom, and you're, you're doing it, and you're doing it alone sometimes, if not oftentimes. What's important to understand is you have to acknowledge that there is a limit to your ability as well. There's a limit to, you, no, you, yes, you're super, but you cannot do everything on your own. And so once we come to that realization, you have to understand that Jesus has a plan. But he's waiting for you to realize, wait a minute, I can't do anything on my own. That's good preaching right there for, for moms who need that. And the question then is this, so what do you have? He said, go and find out. Tell me, what, what, do, you, what do we have to work with here? And basically, that's what Jesus is asking of us. Do inventory in your life. What do you have to offer? And it might not be much. And I think of the, the woman in the, in the New Testament, when it came time to give at the temple, all she had was two mites, two coins. And Jesus was watching there. Some disciples were around. I'm thankful at church we don't 
check where people are dropping and then judge. <laughs> that would be a bad place to go. But in the temple, for some reason, they were there. Jesus observed this woman. There are guys coming up dropping their big bags of coins. And she came and dropped, clink, clink. And they're all like, rah, rah. and Jesus says, no, no, no. She gave more than everybody else. Why? Because she gave all she had. She gave all she had. So there is a limit to your resource. And even if you feel like it's not a lot, you still need to give it, offer it. You might say, ah, I don't have money, but I can give an hour of my time serving in this way. God will honor movement. God will honor that. And then when money comes, you learn to be a good steward of that money so that you don't waste it again. Be a good steward of, of every resource that God has put in your life. And even if it's not a lot, know that you can still be a blessing in His kingdom. Because it's so much more than just resource. It's so much more than just food. And it's so much more than a Sunday morning. It really is. And so the question, what do you have? I can't know. I don't know what you have. You know. What do you have? Because once you know your limit, Jesus can bring an overflow of provision there. And that's point number three, an overflow of provision. An overflow of provision. See, that was the moment before overflow. It, it doesn't look pretty always. It's like, I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but I know what we do have. For our church, I know what's ahead of us. I don't know how we'll get there necessarily. And I'm okay with that. If you need to picture what I'm trying to say, think of a lighthouse in the distance you know which direction you need to go to reach the lighthouse. You just can't see between here and there. It's dark. But you know that's where we're going. And I trust God to get there. So as a church, that's, that's it. It's very simple. And I know what we have. And I know that what we have is enough. It is enough. And so let's look at this last part. An overflow of provision. Are you still with me? Say amen. Amen. Verse 11 tells us, they all ate as much as they wanted. Wow. They all ate as much as they wanted. I mean, this five loaves and two fish was not just a symbolic thing. It wasn't just a symbolic thing. Remember, it was close to Passover that, he was, uh, that this was going on. And John actually lets us know that the celebration Passover was near. And if you think the breaking of the bread, the meal together symbolic so this could have just been a symbolic thing where jesus said yes we have the bread and in the same fashion when jesus began to break it and distribute it in john it actually uses the same word that in the last supper when jesus broke the bread gave thanks and then started giving it out it's the same same word in the greek that's used so it's very interesting but this was no symbolic act actually this was actually a meal that you could eat till you're like, oh my goodness, I'm stuffed. If I eat another little piece of bread, I'm done. You're going to roll me to the car. It's that kind of an overflow of food. They, everyone ate as much as they wanted. Like even the little kids, yes, they did too. Verse 12 lets us know that everyone was full. Everyone was full. Like that's a good meal. We, like, 
An overflow of problems, when placed in the master's hand, turned into an overflow of provision. That's incredible. That's incredible. And so it's important for us that, that we don't look at what little we have, but we put what little we have in his hands. That's the key right there. And if you miss that step, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if overflow will come. I'm going to say it again. Don't look at what little you have, but put what little you have in his hands. And again, the secret is that God honors movement. God honors movement. And I could just envision Jesus breaking the bread and the disciples probably still saying, how, how is this going to work? This is crazy. But I believe it just kept coming. It just kept flowing. And I could just envision like waiters, the disciples are distributing um, everyone sat in organized groups, which I like. And then there was this system that they must have distributed, and it just never stopped. It just never stopped. It just kept going. And then after all of that, it's not that they ate and they were super full, and that's the end. The part for me that is the most exciting thing is there were leftover. How much? Twelve basketfuls. So... The kind of overflow that God desires to bring in our church, but even in your life, is not just enough, but it's, it's leftover. It's abundant. It, 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 it goes over and affects everyone around you. That's the kind of overflow that God will bring in your life. But here's the thing. It has to start with you saying, okay, this is the limit to my ability. This is how much I can do. This is how much I can give or how how much resource I have. And then you taking that and saying, here, Jesus, here, you can have it all. Look at the the return, the ROI, the return on the investment. (laughs) There's way more than even what they started with. And it's not that they had five loaves to feed five people. That was like a little young boy's lunch. And so I know we've been talking about your resource, but even age, if I can just address that as we get ready to close. There's some young people here. I qualify as the young adult category, as I said, and the adult category. Young at heart is what we'll call it. And what's amazing is this whole story hinges upon a young boy. Think about it. The whole story, like we were talking about an overflow of people. They're, they're, they're following signs. They're following Jesus. They, they're, they're looking at him blankly because they don't understand. And Jesus teaches them, filled with compassion. Now they have to feed them. There's an overflow of other problems as a result. And the disciples have no answer except for, here's a young boy who has five loaves of fish. Uh, five loaves of bread. Fish. Uh, that's a weird bread. Five loaves of barley bread and two fish. And they take that and, and we see an overflow of provision. Let's not negate the young kids. When they come up here every Sunday and pray, some of us is like, okay, I'm going to do this again. No, but do you understand that overflow can even happen as a result of a young child's prayer? Salvation could come to a house just because a child comes to church. 
goes to Sunday school, even if parents don't come, can grow up loving Jesus because they're loved here at Weston in, in their class and go home and we can see an overflow of God's love hit that house. Do you, do you understand that in this story, everything hinged upon a young boy and he didn't have it all. He just had his lunch. He just had his lunch. Again, the limit to your ability could even be age. And you're thinking, well, I'm too young to do that. Too young to do that or serve or to go there or do this or to say this at school. To my family, to my parents, they're going to think, who are you, little young man, young girl? But I want you to know, young people that are here, listen closely. That if you are faithful with whatever God has put in your life and you just trust him with it, that God can use you to do incredible things. Revival can break out in your home, in your school, in our church, in our world. It's important to understand and to not underestimate anyone. And it's incredible to think that all it took was his willingness. So today my question for you is, what do you have and are you willing to give it up to Jesus? Would you stand with me as we close this morning? There's just one more thing I'm going to say and then we're going to pray. It's very subtle, but I don't want us to miss it either. Then verse 12, it said, After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. You might give it up and think like, wow, my, my, my lunch is gone. But there was leftover. And Jesus says, now collect everything that's left over so that nothing is wasted. And I just want to say this. Don't waste God's blessing. Don't waste God's blessing in your life. Don't waste it. Why? Well, because when overflow comes, it's easy to go, oh, it's okay. It's just, I got so much anyways. It could be money. Let's just use money right now. And then we're going to pray. I got so much, so I don't care. I'll give away to this and I give away to that. We can become careless in the overflow. That's the little caution on the side. But Jesus said, make sure nothing is wasted. You be a good steward of whatever happens when you're living and enjoying overflow we all love overflow amen are you ready for the overflow when it comes we need to steward it well amen when people will fill this church will not if when they will fill this church we need to steward that overflow well we need to shepherd the flock the word of God says. And so there's my role in that as well. There's a role for all of us to play. And when overflow comes and it touches your life, the blessing of God and it's overflowing, you need to make sure. Is this prosperity preaching? No, not at all. But God wants us to prosper. That's the difference. Because when you give him everything, God who has everything will give it back to you, to the overflow. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. Every eye closed, every head bowed. The moment before overflow. And my question to you today, every eye closed, every head bowed. Is this.
Are you willing to give God everything? For some of you, that might be your heart. Because he doesn't have your heart yet. In all of these things, God is after our hearts. Today, if you're here and you've been listening to the word, maybe your heart is being stirred because you feel like you're one of those sheep who are lost. And, and today you feel like the shepherd is saying, hey, I'm here. I'm moved with compassion for you. And, and it's not a secret any longer, but my love is for you. Today, if you're here and you need Jesus as your shepherd, the shepherd of your life, with every eye closed, every head bowed, would you raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. If there's anyone, I see hands all over this place. About a dozen hands up. You could put them down. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with me. And it's only because you might not know how to express with words what that meant. But the Bible says that it's by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. That you are saved. That's how you make him the shepherd of your life. And so I'm going to invite everyone, not just those who lifted up their hand, but everyone to pray this prayer with me as we give our lives to Jesus. Heavenly Father, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it cuts straight to the heart of who I am as a person. There are no secrets. There are no lies and there is no sin that is hidden from you. So Jesus, I give you my life, every single part, my heart, my soul, my strength, my mind. I ask you to come and make me brand new. I confess with my mouth and I believe with my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Come and take control. I give you permission in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you give it up for those who pray that prayer for the very first time, maybe? Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Nobody moving yet. If, if you raised your hand... There's a, that connection card in the pew in front of you. Maybe you were here with a spouse. You both raised your hand. I don't know. But just write. We want, we want to follow up with you in the easiest ways. If you grab a card and just let us know I made a decision. Or if, if you want to just write at the very bottom and just explain what happens. And then just hand it in to guest services, the desk out there. Because this is one of the most important things you can do. And so we rejoice with you. In fact, the word of God says that the angels in heaven throw a party when even one sinner comes home. And so today there were over a dozen hands up and I give God glory. Amen. Amen. And now I just want to pray a blessing over all of you. And here's the thing. I sense if I could put my finger on the heartbeat of where we're at as a church, we're in the moment before overflow. It's not that, like, point number two, there's an overflow of problems. I don't sense that. Uh, in our case, they're good problems. It's like, okay, people are coming. How do we keep up? And that's the kind of thing that I see happening now. And so we need to do our part to steward it well. But we're, we're going to believe in this year that we're going to start these renos. 
So we're, this is like the moment for me before overflow where we're doing the hard work. It's taking a lot of my sweat equity, so to speak. Uh, a lot of time, heart, energy. And, uh, and as a church, let's be praying. Because in the moment of overflow, we're busy looking at what we have. And then what happens is overflow is going to come and, and we're going to be <laughs> overflowing with, with abundance. And, and we're excited as well. That's the heartbeat. That's the pulse. And what I'm, why am I sharing this more and more and more? It's because I'm dripping vision of what I see and what's coming down for us down the line. I'm just dripping it slowly because if I showed you everything that God has shown me, you wouldn't think it would be possible and, and not that I know and see everything either, but what God has shown me is enough to start the fire in, my, in me that I need to start sharing so that we all ignite one another. And this place will, will be a firehouse for God. And we're going to see people saved in Jesus' name. And it started already today. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm excited. Let me pray for you and then you'll be on your way. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for your word. And Father, I pray as we leave this place, we wouldn't get frustrated in this journey of life. God, maybe some of us are desiring overflow, but it's, it's just kind of the process leading up to it, as we've talked about today. Lord, I pray that we would count the cost. I pray that we would come up with solutions for this present um, season of life where we see ourselves in. But Lord, the goodness in doing that is we recognize where our limit is and then we take that and place it at your feet, place it in your hands. And God, you bring the overflow as a result. And Lord, I thank you that you already know what to do. I really do. I rejoice in knowing that you already have a plan for each family, each individual, and especially, Lord, for our church as we move forward. And God, I pray now a blessing as we leave this place. Guard our steps as we go from going places where we shouldn't in this week. Instead, Lord, set up divine appointments where we can minister and be used. And Lord, I pray for signs and wonders to accompany everyone who believes. And we have a few new ones also this morning. So even them. And God, we give you glory and thanks. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit accompany us on our way. In Jesus' name. Amen. So God bless you. Have a great week. And we'll see you.